Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with John Russell of the band The Head and the Heart over Zoom video. John was born and raised in Virginia, and he talks about that and how he got into music. He was kind of a late bloomer when it came to playing music. He started off on the hand drums, and he tells us a pretty funny story of how he ended up acquiring his first set of drums. He eventually picked up piano and started putting some of the poems and writings that he had written and put together over the course of the past years to the chords that he was learning on the piano. And that's what became the first little EP that he put out. He tells us about moving to Seattle, then forming the head and the heart, the success of that first record. He talked about the Signs of Light record and how it was, you know, with the band dynamic changing when the album came out and how it was touring as now, like the, the kind of front leader of the band. He talked to us about the success of Living Mirage and how it was writing that record without Josiah. And we hear all about the new record, Every Shade of Blue, which is such a fantastic album. He talks to us about how the album came together. And he tells us all about kind of how the pandemic really brought them together as a band in their friendships and relationships there and as a band musically. You can watch the interview with John and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be so awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the head and the heart. That's funny. Like I've met some musicians that maybe other people would freak out by, but I don't, it's, I think because we're doing the same thing and never really, um, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. But like huh. I was at a 49ers game because my wife is from the Bay and we lived there for the last five years. Um, okay. And she works for Levi's. And so every now and again, we would get these tickets to go see the 49ers in the box, which is just like stupid. Uh, insane push, but, um, <laughs> so i'm looking over and i'm like what the fuck and she's like what she's looking around she's like i don't see it. and i'm like it's fucking eric costin was eric he really costin was sitting yes we ended up hanging out i was just like oh my i was gosh. i was by the end of it i was that drunk guy just being like you got to bring back the costin ones dude like, the costin ones were you so bring? good they were the best skates you on the planet dude they were the blue, first one that had like fucking new buck and they, and they had like a the charger logo one or not logo but like colored like the blue and yellow and they had the the air oh, pocket yeah. in the heel that's right that's right <laughs> dude it was just like i mean i've like hung out with famous musicians and i'm just like yeah you play guitar so do i i fucking saw eric costin and i just lost my shit that is it was insane. like god i just never thought that would happen that's so um, cool. <laughs> but Especially yeah, in the but yeah. area. How random at a 49er game I, you got Eric Costin. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just like, I don't know how this is happening, but um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Adam, by the way, and this is about yeah. you, your journey in music. And we'll talk about the new record, which I absolutely yeah. love. I had a chance to hear it. It's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, I, the band started in Seattle area, but I did read, are you from Virginia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've been here since like, like 97, essentially. Um, and yeah, I went to Seattle in 2009. And that's about the time when I started meeting people. And um, we started this band. 
Um, but yeah, I've been kind of coming back off and on uh, okay. for the last uh, while. I actually just moved back here for the rest of the year. I just got back a few weeks ago to Richmond. Oh, okay. It's, it's a place that many haven't been to, maybe driven through to get to DC, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's somehow it's my home and I'm, you're back. It's chosen me. I just <laughs> yeah. have I can do about it. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, what was it like yeah. growing up there? Um, well, it's funny how you look back and you sort of like color things in the way that you like, because in 2009, I couldn't wait to leave Virginia. I was actually very excited to get out, you know, because I had never sure. really been anywhere else. Uh-huh. I think the furthest west I had been was Kentucky at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I guess when you move somewhere else, you start realizing that these things that you just assume are everywhere um, um, might actually be like pretty specific to a place. Like I, growing up, um, middle school, high school, like, behind my parents' house was like a bunch of woods that had two small ponds that would freeze over in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Um, just like trails where you could, you could genuinely get lost there. You know, if you, mm-hmm. I mean, eventually you would find something, but um, <laughs> I don't, it, it allowed for, it really allowed for like um, imagination and exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, I got super into like, transcendentalism when i was like 16 17 and i was just like reading walden in the woods i was that weirdo um but so i guess in in certain ways that i might not have you know really appreciated at the time i realized like you know if i would have like you know my good friend kenny is in the band he grew up in la and like he just didn't have that kind of thing you know Um, right other other things yeah i mean he had six skate parks that didn't have but um (laughs) but i had the woods um sure so growing up there, I guess for me, it, um, or here, yeah, mm-hmm. may not have realized it at the time, but it definitely shapes, shaped me. I'm sure like mm-hmm. every place is shaped for most people. Um, and I keep coming back. I keep yeah, finding myself to move home, drawn huh? back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, where, where are you from? I'm in Nashville now, but I'm originally from San Diego. So Southern California. Oh, okay. Um, I spent a little yeah. bit of time in, in San Francisco, but, um, yeah, okay. I just recently moved to the Nashville area and I absolutely love it here. It's such a, like you yeah. just said, it's such a different like lifestyle and pace yeah. and everything, but we love it. Yeah. I've got two kids and my wife and I, we just oh. moved here about a little over a year ago and we've just absolutely nice. fell in love with it. So, yeah. Um, oh, that's great. that's great. Yeah. Well, how did you get into music? Did anyone musical in your family, musical household at all? Um, I was, I was kind of a late bloomer. Um, mm-hmm my like there was an organ in our house just because my dad which i didn't even know this until maybe not too long ago uh he was kind of forced to play organ in the church because his dad was a a minister like a southern baptist minister so by the time i was around he he, it was basically just there because they needed somewhere to put it he never played the thing uh he never went to church i think he kind of just did a full 180 um so i never really saw music I didn't, I never was around any family members. Nobody I knew in the family played music. Um, <clears throat> although I think it was on my 30th birthday, I was visiting my grandparents in Tupelo and they showed me these newspaper clippings of like, I don't know how many greats, but whatever great, 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 great grandmother of mine would have been. Um, uh, she was, uh, I forget. Um, I think they were in South Carolina at the time, but she was Chickasaw Indian and she had like built this one man band scenario and she was like in the paper for it. So wow. that was gener- generations ago. And literally the only musician I can 
that I know find. of. In the family. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's pretty so, incredible to, to find that out, you know, at, at 30, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. And by that point I was like, you know, doing it for real. Um, right. So maybe that's why it came up because they probably just thought it was <laughs> right, irrelevant before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was incredible. Um, but yeah, like I think it was my senior year in high school where like um, essentially I, I traded like a half ounce of weed for this guy's conga sets um, <laughs> because for some reason I, I had some fr- like all of my close friends were in vans or they were skateboarders and I was a skateboarder and I really was starting to love just going to their shows and so much of my like, you know, troubled teens, you know, uh, soul and emotions just like felt so alive at those concerts. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I don't know. I was just like, I have to figure out a way to get in this, in this situation. So I started playing hand drums. Um, and, uh, and my friend's band let me join for maybe a few weeks and they kicked me out. Um, but I kept playing and, uh, eventually that led me to getting like, piano for dummies and just learned like learned enough like music theory to like do the lessons um and was like oh shit three chords like all of my now all of my at the time poetry or just thoughts i can now you know put music to them um and so that's kind of how it started um Mm -hmm. and i just for some reason um thought that that's what I was supposed to be doing, even though at the time I was really, really bad, you know, really bad. Well, you were um, writing poet poetry prior to that then. So you, you've always been kind of a writer. It sounds like. Yeah. I've always been, I've always been, um, drawn to like taking the things that I see and notice and looking for parallels. Mm-hmm. I think that's also why I love nature is because so much of it, I would find, I would find these parallels happening in nature. And so it sort of gave me this like uh, calming feeling of like, okay, these are all cycles. If you zoom out, like you can see this is inevitable here, but you can also see what the other side looks like. So you're just on the other side right now. Um, so that way of thinking was kind of my brain for the, even when I was younger. And I mm-hmm. think it was just my, uh, yeah, my little, it was my therapy for a long time. Um, so but, what what yeah. then took you to seattle was that music did you want to like pursue that as a, a career path yeah so was nine so i guess around um a few years before that i started playing in a band with friends like basically when everybody graduated high school um most of my friends went to college uh i did not i moved an hour south to richmond got a job at subway um applied for like college, uh, community college to try and study music. Couldn't get in, didn't have the money, didn't have the grades. Um, hence uh, yard sales and these like, uh, uh, piano for dummies. And so I just kind of was like, well, I want to do it. This is how I'm going to have to do it. And fortunately meet, uh, Richmond, like, um, there's an art, art school here, BCU. Um, so there was a lot of like really creative people around whether they're musicians or not. Um, and so eventually some of these friends of mine either dropped out of college or they also didn't go. And all of a sudden they were like, uh, I just saw John and he says he wants to start a band. 
because to them, the last time they saw me, I was just like the bongo player. And they were like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? But I had been like learning piano and like recording my songs on a four track and like trying to sing. Um, and so for like, I guess a handful of years, I had a band. We like Tyler, the drummer, mm-hmm. um, him and I went to high school together and he was in one of those bands in high school, yada, yada. He joined my band. Um, we practiced like five days a week. We took it really seriously. I think we only played three shows over the course of like four years, but we literally like every single day we would, we would rehearse. Um, that eventually fell apart. You know, certain people like just kind of cherry pick another thing like, Oh, this band's touring. I should just play with them. And then this guy Mm -hmm. leaves. And then I was just like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be relying. I don't want to have to like rely on other people to, um, to do what I want to do. So I made a little EP and was just like, I'm going to move anywhere I can go. And a friend of mine who I was working with at a restaurant, she was going to move to Seattle because she, her cousin had a, um, like a condo that was empty because he was a merchant Marine. Um, so he was gone for three months. And so I convinced her to let me, you know, pitch in gas money. And I knew her parents really well. So they were also like stoked that somebody else was going to go with her because we were going to drive. Um, so that's how I wound up in Seattle. I mean, I had never, honestly, I didn't, I didn't know very much about it at all. Um, at all. Um, yeah, it could have been anywhere. I, mm-hmm. I was just gonna. I just. I just knew that I needed to go somewhere because um, Richmond at the time wasn't really. Um, it wasn't being noticed. Sure. Um, well, Seattle has obviously <laughs> a, a reputation when it comes to the music industry. Right. So yeah, if yeah. she's like, I'm gonna go to you know Louisville, Kentucky. Would you have done? Would you have left? I mean, I mean honestly, <laughs> honestly, it was my only. It was. It was the best ticket in town. So okay. yeah, even if she would have gone to Kentucky, I would have been like, well, that's not part of Nashville. I would have, oh, yeah, I, I, I was going to go, I was going to go no matter what, because anything was, anything was going to be, um, some kind of opportunity. Um, sure. but, um, yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about that this morning. I like, what are the freaking odds, man? Like wind up in Seattle, all of these other people who wind up in Seattle, a couple of the band members, charity and Chris and now mm-hmm. Maddie, um, they're from there, but like, I meet Josiah at a bar. He just happens to be like going to grad school there. Cause he's also, he's from Southern California. Mm-hmm. And then K- Kenny ends up moving up a year later. Randomly, we meet him in the same bar. I mean, it's just strange to think how many, how many other cities I could have wound up in and that they could mm-hmm. have wound up in. And um, just the timing of the, of the fact that these six people met. I know this sounds like rehashing some cliche part of our bio, but no. every now and again, it, hit, it hits me and I'm like, that is insane. Sure. You know, because uh-huh. I mean, so much of what this band, I mean, the fact that this band has been able to be hold it together for 12 years is because of like mostly music chemistry. I mean, we've had to work on our actual friendships a lot. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a very natural part. It was the musical chemistry. Um, and it's just mind boggling how that, how that happened. Um, yeah. I mean, and right out the gate, I mean, with the first record you guys put out, success yeah. i mean it sounds like from what oh, i was yeah. reading about it you you guys put out the you know by yourself right self self release it and it's just yeah. flying off the record shelves to yeah. the point where you know sub pop it comes to you and we're like hey <laughs> yeah yeah well it's funny sub pop was the last one to show up there were all these really? majors um courting us and we really wanted sub pop um and 
we held out almost to the point where like our pro bono lawyer slash standard uh, manager at the time was just like, you're turning down, like, if you turn down any more of it, like they're all going to go away. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, we're turning down universal, turning down Warner, um, other, other Indies. And um, we really just wanted artistic control more than any kind of, you know, flashy like money sign up front. We just knew that um, we, well, yeah, we already had, we kind of had that freak scenario where we are, we were, we were watching, like, I think we sold something like 10,000 copies on our own before That's anything. So crazy. So we already knew that like the music was working. And so mm-hmm. the last thing we wanted to do was like roll the dice on some label that might say like, Oh, like other people are interested. So we're going to post you. And then you have no idea what they're going to ask for mm-hmm. you to do later. So we were like this, at least for the first thing we do, it needs to be on an indie. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, sub pop came around. Um, and, which, which is interesting yeah. to me because they were they're a label in 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 town and in, if your band yeah. is selling no, totally. all these records in town and you're a local artist they would think like yeah the obvious yeah. <laughs> scenario yeah yeah and i i don't want to throw them under the bus because they're no um, i'm just saying it's just but, it is, but it is kind of funny yeah it's like how about the band that's uh in your city crushing it right now <laughs> right right <laughs> you know like, <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have a copy of that first EP, the one that you guys press? Because I'd heard, or I read I'm, that it was like on a denim sleeve, like it, you, you put yeah, it on a denim well, sleeve. Yeah. So at first, I mean, it was just like burned discs and mm-hmm. denim sleeves. That's um, so awesome though. And then I'm trying to remember, I think we have two like sort of like legitimate looking packages one was before sub pop and then one was with, but I, I would have to double check that. Uh-huh. Um, but I definitely have one of those here in my apartment. Um, yeah, I think I have like one of each, you know, record vinyl. Sure. That's cool, a weird though. tape from let's be still. That <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Maybe one day I'll be able to play it. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, what was it like, you know, get, you get signed and then, you're getting thrown on these huge tours. Eventually you, you know, you have a number one single on the radio and the album goes gold. I mean, right out the gate, what was it like kind of digesting all yeah. of that right well, away? Um, it was like a, I guess it, it definitely was a, a, a quick rise, um, maybe in the grand scheme of things, but it didn't feel that way for a while. Like it, it mm-hmm. kind of felt more like a, like, a gentle slope, um, long, uh, rise, like the upstart was quick, which was, Mm -hmm. which was amazing. We're very fortunate. And, but then the type of like, um, I don't know, like we had a, we had like a hit song on like, you know, like triple A radio. Um, but it was never like, it wasn't. And I almost feel like, grateful that we didn't have something like a Mumford and Son or like a Lumineers. And I'm actually very stoked for both of those bands, especially Lumineers, because we we were in the trenches and they were they had been doing it longer than us. And they were like, I don't know if we can keep doing this shit, man. And then mm-hmm. for them to have that um that huge song. Oh hey, oh hey, hey, oh, oh hey. I always miss mix oh, hey. I think it's song. oh hey. <laughs> yeah. Um which is funny because we, you know, we we're used to seeing them do that song with us, like, you know, in a place like a saloon with like 12 people. Mm-hmm. And then for them to have that success, it was like, Oh shit, that their, their model changed in such a different way. Um, 
Um, so, but I guess trying to get back to your original question, like, um, also you have nothing to compare it to, you know what I mean? I was just like, I guess this is how it goes. I mean, um, you know, we were, we were riding around in that van all over America for quite a while. Um, but it was great. I mean, we started getting like opening gigs, like you were saying, like we got to open for Dr. Dog, which was like the majority of the people in the band's like favorite band from Philly. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was our first like legitimate tour where we learned a lot, like when, like within the first three days, like, um, just like kids not knowing any better and getting yelled at by like your, your favorite band's crew. And you're just like, uh, you're like, but then, but then like, but then like three days later, you're like, fuck yeah, this is never going to happen again. Our shit is right. loaded out right after we're done. I'm not going <laughs> to stare at you. I'm not going to stare at you during your sound check. Cause now I understand you think that's weird. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, we were, yeah, we just, I mean, we had a great team. We've always been very blessed with great people around us. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, and, um, yeah, we just kept getting opening gig after opening gig, um, which was good for obviously to get your name out there, but also for your, like, like sharpen your skills, you know, you're playing in bigger rooms, which you're not ever doing as a, as a headliner when you're just starting out. So, um, that really helped us learn how to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Just to jump ahead a little bit here, like when you guys, you know, you put out Signs of Light and this is the first time you kind of have to tour a record and you have to step in what the front, you know, the front there. What was that mm-hmm. like? Was that difficult to do? Yeah. Um, it, it was and it wasn't like, mm-hmm. um, I think, I guess I've kind of always been the one that's like, um, like, and, and actually I shouldn't say that. I think every single person in this band would say like, there's no way I'm going to let this fail. But as the, as the one of two songwriters that were responsible for doing the majority of the writing mm-hmm. to lose, to lose that other person, um, not just in terms of the work that you're able to provide, but just, I mean, um, there was just a completely different, um, it was almost like you didn't, it's like, I wanted to get there, but not, not like this, like, this isn't how I wanted to get there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so there was always like a little bit of a like guilt of, of, I think it it took me a while to like shed just some baggage before I finally realized like, um, you gotta do you like, this is, this is you, this is kind of like naturally where you, um, find yourself and, um, own it, you know, just, um, it, uh, yeah, I think it took a little while for me to realize like, oh, um, the minute I get over my bullshit, the minute I can actually start being like a better leader to anyone mm-hmm. around, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I don't do that, then I'm just kind of, you know, um, nobody's benefiting from that. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's been an interesting road. Sure. Um, and this this band is so, it's so unique in a way where like, we from the very get-go we're like we're this is going to be a, a democracy like there's no mm-hmm. one leader um mm-hmm. financially everything is split um equally and depending on the like um depending on like what it is going on with the band whether it's like 
songwriting or merch or videos or press or um, all kinds of things in between, like it kind of changes, like who, who sort of takes the reins almost is always like in motion. Uh Um, So um, that also kind of, um, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, like everything is kind of the long road to get to a place in this band, but it always ends up feeling like, um, that much more rewarding. Um, right, right. Like the last couple of years, like if there is a silver lining and I'm, I think there are a few from this pandemic happening was like mm-hmm. in terms of our world, um, finally being able to like rip off a lot of band-aids and, and have direct conversations with all of us together and be able to like air things out and not, you know, not being, um, like oh the next thing you have to do is an interview or walk on stage or go on tv mm-hmm. like there's just no good time to like um you know just handle shit yeah, so sure. um so yeah i mean this yeah. isn't a prom- prompted question from you but it's like um i think the most significant thing that happened um this record aside is actually mm-hmm. just like the the rebuilding and the re and like um, just the trust that is finally happening, um, in this band, like it, like, like it really, like it did in the early days. Um, uh-huh. and I think it, I think it does translate to a lot of the decisions made on the record and how we allowed ourselves to make these bold choices and just trust one another's ideas and not, um, and not get in the way. Um, uh-huh. so when it comes uh, to like the, the, the record behind that living mirage was that something that was kind of like a difficult record to put together i mean obviously the the album was amazing and it does really really well but at this point it's like okay now it's the band dynamic has changed a little bit but was it still pretty dem- uh was it still you know everyone's opinion right, on writing right. the record and everything together at that point and um versus now right um to be honest with you no not really and and it wasn't done in a, an intentional way. It was almost like there was, um, there's certain, like there's, I don't know, there's a few of us in the band. I think that like our way of coping with um, trauma or whatever is just like work, you mm-hmm. know, and just like put your nose, put your face down and just get to work. Um, and then on the other hand, there's there's people in the band that like, they don't really, they can't even really wrap their head around working or at least from a genuine place until mm-hmm. um things are discussed and like relationships are um respected and mended mm-hmm. um and i didn't i don't know i i didn't i didn't understand that for a while um mm-hmm. i was able i don't know i was uh compartmentalizing it i guess for a little while but um well, yeah i mean you said traumatic i mean what what a traumatic thing to happen i mean with the band moving forward and then you got to put this record together kind of without your, your co-pilot, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, well, I think it sounds like everything time. like, yeah, it's, I was gonna say, it sounds like everything got aired out within the past, you know, having that downtime, not having to, like you said, talk to people like me or go on TV or tour, or do all these other things. You're able to kind of hash yeah. out everything. And, and that you yeah, guys made a no. hell of a record, man. I, I will tell you like, it is so good. I had Thank a chance you. to hear it. Hurts is, I think, by far. My, I like. I love the whole album, but that song to me is so yeah. freaking good. Awesome. 
Nice. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. So like yeah. when it, when it came to writing the record, tell me a little bit about, like you said, it was more of a democracy when it came to this album. Did you guys all bring elements to together and like, how did the song, how were the songs built? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess like, um, another sort of like sneaky, um, unforeseen benefit to a few people in the band was the fact that we had to do so like, we had to start this record by working remotely, you know, each one in their mm -hmm. own house, different cities, our own studio, learning how to record ourselves. But for a, a, a few people like it, they actually, um, they're more comfortable having more time and more space to sort of work out parts or ideas before making it visible to the rest of the band. So um, it kind of, um, it lended itself in a way that really our, our, like our workflow had never really landed itself before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, uh, um, I just, I, I keep thinking about Maddie's, um, charity's husband and he's just like a very prolific writer who mm -hmm. could, he could put out like a double record tomorrow. Um, <laughs> one of, one of his songs is don't show your weakness. Um, he wrote that with Kenny and charity. And then he wrote the last song on the record, which is get, it's get the fuck up, but it's GTFU. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I was trying to figure out how, like, how does this feel more democratic? And it's like, well, John has 13 songs on the record. <laughs> and many so I was like, I don't know if I can actually make that point. Um, but in terms of like, um, I guess I can still because like songs like I guess most of the songs um, in terms of like the song taking its like final shape versus how mm -hmm. I bega began the song always really always has had so much to do with every single person in this band touching it and um, changing it and rewriting something or adding a part. Um, um, and I think that, like the first song I think we tried to do like this was Paradigm, which I think is like track three on mm -hmm. the record. Um, and it was just, it was the first time we were, were sort of faced with this, like, okay, we're going to send each other tracks. We're going to listen independently. And then if you have notes, I guess we'll just text you. Like we, <laughs> we just, we, uh, we, we like, we did everything wrong essentially for like months. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was just like a bomb went off, which I think kind of was the catalyst for the amount of focus on working on communication and like, like mental health and, and realizing that like, especially now, if we don't learn how to talk to one another and figure out the best ways of talking to each other, like there's no way we're going to make this record. Um, but um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But were you able to like, like, what would you say? Was there a moment during the record that like in the democratic, you know, aspect of it was that somebody came forward and was like, oh, I have this piece. And then you were like, oh, my gosh, like, like you wouldn't expect that to happen. And maybe in the sense of like, whoa, like, this is so awesome. Yeah. Like, like, thanks for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I guess I, I still makes me think of paradigm. I mean, like mm -hmm. there's there's sections in that song where there's like a, it almost sounds like a banjo, but I don't think it is. I think it's like a Nashville tuning acoustic and then a 12 string. Maddie just threw all of these tracks at this song that when I first started, it was, it was, it was just like a vocal, a bass line and a drum beat. 
Um, and maybe a synth pad at first. Um, and he threw this stuff that like kind of has like a RE, like early REM vibe to me. Mm-hmm. And I like could not have, like, I, I just like, I don't know how you thought that this is what goes on the song. And it ended up working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's moments like that with probably every single song. Um, um, yeah, I guess like the, the second half of us making this record was like mid year of 2021 when everybody was vaccinated and we were mm-hmm. able to go to Seattle all together and get into a room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just felt like kids in a candy store because like we had kind of gone through the hardest part, which was, um, working on our communication skills, mm-hmm. uh, accepting the process that was remote. Um, and now it, it was kind of like the easy part, just get in a room and, and, and do what you do best. Um, and so it almost felt like a release and it's just, I mean, the amount of like every single person was just doing, I don't know. It was like literally watching kids play with like toys, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't just the band that like goes in and like, okay, I'm a piano player. So I'm going to sit at my piano. I'm the drummer. I'm going to sit here. Like everyone was just sort of up and moving around and, um, it was like, okay, today we're working on this song, or at least like the first half of this day, we're working on sh- the song Shut Up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of look around the room and it's like, you have an idea? And I'm like, I got nothing. And Maddie's like, cool, I have three ideas. He'll go in, and we, you know, and we mm-hmm. hear it. We're just like, okay, that was weird or that was great. And then Chris will be like, oh shit, okay, I hear something. Like it just, it, it was a very interesting process that just was fun. Um, uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the moments where, you realize like it's i don't know it's 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 great to have a band you know right. what i mean like mm-hmm. every single person was like firing on all cylinders and just coming up with shit that i you never would have fathomed mm-hmm. um and having and having fun and somehow it works or if it doesn't you just start peeling away but um yeah it, it's like we got back to being a band on this record i love that i love the record i like i really do and speaking to shut up real quick i just the piano piece in that song is so cool like the yeah. the piano riff i, yeah, I think it's yeah amazing. oh um, man kenny's gonna kenny will love that <laughs> that piano i mean I, the piano in the song is really cool i mean i like i said i love your records the piano in this one stands out to me a lot when I listen to the album. Yeah. So if you want to share that with Kenny yeah. <laughs> or not, yeah, but I'm I will. just saying doing that in hurts hurts is my, my favorite song on the album, but I really appreciate your time, John. This has been so awesome. I thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, um, Adam, I, do have, you, I have one more quick question for you before I let you go. I just want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, I think the first thing that came, comes to mind is, um, and there's, I think there's probably no answer that's not a cliche in this instance, but like you have to, you have to believe in yourself. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's going to be times when um, no one else is really going to understand what you see or what you know is inside of you. Like it may not have developed externally yet, but you know, it's there. Um, and eventually they will see it, but also eventually sometimes that, you know, there will always be moments where like people are either like very supportive and very aware of like why they will, why you are who you are and what you've chosen to do. But there's just as many times when people are going to question it and doubt it. 
And you've always got to be able to come back to that notion that like, this is, I'm doing this for a reason. This is what I do. You have to believe in yourself, you know? Um, I mean, it's good to also have doubts, right? Have the question yourself and that's how you grow. But ultimately, like, you've got to be the one that believes in yourself more than anyone else, I think. <laughs>